Everywhere I go, I find lawyers who are bragging about how many hours they spend in the barn with the mule. They're literally bragging about how badly they manage their law firm. They're bragging about how poorly they manage their businesses. While Arjun was away, Team Arjun came to play. All the cats out of the bag now, folks. But we're still here bringing you our favorite and most importantly, actionable insights to Arjun's newest book, Profit First for Lawyers. We're going to help you accelerate your law firm's growth so that you can experience more profit in every aspect of your life. We're also going to be providing some behind-the-scenes footage of what it's really like to work with Arjun Robbins. So, put your BS aside for the next few minutes and put yourself, your family, your firm, and your profit first. Welcome back to another episode of the Profit First for Lawyers podcast. My name is Carly, and today we're wrapping up our seven-part series on the seven main parts of every successful and unsuccessful law firm. If you haven't seen parts one through six, I highly recommend you go check those out. Links are in our show notes below. So first things first, I'm going to be spilling the rest of the tea on chapter five, and then playing a really inspired clip from Arjun on why your law firm is not your baby. I've been told that this new analogy is a bit of a game changer when it comes to the ways you perceive your law firm. So don't go anywhere, folks. You're not going to want to miss this. For now, it's time to have a little tea party. Okay. When last we left our heroes. So Arjun and I had been troubleshooting Chapter 5 in studio for the last four days. It just wasn't working. And finally, I trudged upstairs to beg the studio owner to please let us book time on the weekend when they were not open and I pushed back my flight for the next day. So we had the literal smallest window of time available to record chapter five. And at this point, things were pretty much do or die, right? So here's what happened. Day five in the studio, it's a Saturday. We get everything set up and Arjun looks to me with no small degree of dread <laughs> and he asks for the pages. Now look, we tried that several times before, if you can remember. So I had told myself the night before that we were gonna do things a little bit differently today. I had kind of a bold idea, and I knew that that idea was either going to get me fired or it was going to finally get this thing done. So Arjun asks for the new pages, and I tell him I didn't prepare anything. What do you mean you didn't prepare anything? Arjun, I didn't prepare any scripts. We're not doing that today. You see, I kind of had a suspicion that somewhere between 2021, when the chapter had originally been written, and 2023, when we were recording in the studio, Arjun had undergone an evolution. I mean, honestly, how could he not, right? The man is constantly digging into ways to be better and reach his highest and fullest potential. My suspicion was that the seven main parts themselves had also undergone kind of a similar evolution in the intervening years. And while chapter five, as written, may have shown great insight in 2021, it just didn't meet the mark anymore. And I recognized that no amount of polishing the old chapter was going to work. So I didn't. Let's sit down and talk this through, Arjun said. So I pulled up some floor and I looked him in the eyes and I said, look, this isn't working. You know it's not working. I don't think that there's anything we could do to the material as is to make it work. But Arjun, you don't need any written material to talk about the seven main parts of every successful law firm. I mean, you could give an extemporaneous talk about this subject in your literal sleep. So just give us, referencing myself and Dylan, our camera guy, I said, just give us the rundown on the seven main parts and what they are. So Arjun took a pause and everyone in the studio waited for his response. 
I honestly thought my heart was going to pound out of my chest because remember, I, I hadn't been working for Arjun for very long at this point. And then he said, okay. So he stood up and he started adjusting his mic stand and he looked me in the eyes and he said, Carly, you're going to be my audience. So I gathered up all my materials and I put them to the side. I was determined to be the absolute best audience member that had ever lived at an Arjun seminar, right? I was going to give him every bit of audience energy that I could possibly muster. And Arjun began. It wasn't a seamless performance. Turns out, the studio didn't open on the weekends on purpose, because Saturdays and Sundays were the days that the local flight school held their lessons. So about every three to five minutes, like clockwork, another low-flying plane would go overhead and we'd have to pause and let it pass before we could continue. But even though it wasn't seamless, it was flawless. Every word from Arjun's mouth fell together in this veritable tapestry of concepts that I watched on. I, I was completely transfixed to see it. I thought, wow, this is what happens when you piss a master off spectacularly enough. <laughs> nah, but really, it was a really amazing performance. I almost didn't dare look away. I could feel the clock ticking. And as the echo of the last word faded, and Arjun put his hands together, palms down, and then swiftly drew them apart to indicate he was done, that was everything. I looked down at my watch to see that we had ended the studio session exactly on time. I mean, I think we went about three minutes over, and it was perfect. Those of us in the studio just kind of looked at each other, and we grinned. There was this sense of euphoria that I really can't put into words. Complete and abject relief coupled with, well, at least on my end, a little bit of awe that we did it. And not only did we do it, but Arjun turned something that made us all miserable into something that I was really glowingly proud of. And that's where the story mostly ends. I mentioned several times throughout this series that Chapter 5 was the bane of my existence and that it is also my absolute favorite chapter today. And I really, truly meant every word of that. All right, folks, let's get into our clip for the day. Here is Arjun in the studio. We cut out the parts where the planes flew overhead. Wrapping up Chapter 5 with Part 7 of every successful law firm, you. That's right. You are the seventh main part of every successful law firm. And Arjun is going to share why. Let's roll the clip. Which brings us to your goals, the seventh and I would argue the most important part of your law firm. Remember, marketing leads to sales, sales leads to production, production requires people, people use things, that's physical plant. If you do it all right, there are financial controls and metrics and key performance indicators that you're going to want to keep track of. If you do this all right, the law firm works in service of your goals. Remember, your law firm isn't your baby. It's not going to love you. It's not going to give you a hug. As parents, we will do anything for our children. We live for our children sometimes. We would die for our children sometimes. We make all kinds of sacrifices for our children because this is a biological imperative of our species. Your law firm isn't your baby. You're not supposed to work for your law firm. Your law firm is a business. Your business is supposed to work for you. Now, I've been having this conversation with thousands and thousands and thousands of lawyers for going on a few decades now. And I have found 
that there's a much more practical, much more professional, much more ethical, and a much more profitable analogy to use than that of a parent and child when thinking about one's relationship with your law firm and you as the owner of the law firm. The best analogy that I have figured out 20 years ago is the farmer and the mule. Think about why the farmer has a mule. The farmer has a mule so that the mule can pull the farmer's plow. And why does the farmer care about having the plow pulled? Well, the farmer wants to have the plow pulled so the farmer can grow crops. And why does the farmer care about growing crops? Because the farmer wants to feed the farmer's family. And if the farmer manages the mule well, manages the crop rotations well, and does the job right, there should be, hopefully, enough crops left over after feeding the farmer's family. See, profit first. Feed your family first. Then you can take the crops and share them with everyone else by taking them to market and selling them. Now, does this mean that you can abuse the mule? No, you can't abuse the mule if you expect the mule to operate at peak performance. Can you neglect the mule? No, you can't neglect the mule, not if you want the mule to operate at peak performance. You still have to train, feed, house, care for, and manage the mule if you want the mule to do its job for you and your family. But you ought not be taking pride in how many hours you spend in the barn with the mule. Everywhere I go, I find lawyers who are bragging about how many hours they spend in the barn with the mule. They're literally bragging about how badly they manage their law firm. They're bragging about how poorly they manage their businesses. Now, they don't call it bragging. They call it commiserating. But you can do this test. You can go to any bar function anywhere in the country, and you can just report honestly and accurately about our definition of a successful law firm. To be successful in my book, and since this is my book, I'm saying in my book, to be successful, a law firm has to serve you financially, has to give you enough net operating income to live the way you want to live, has to serve you personally, has to give you the freedom to have a life, and it has to serve you professionally, has to give you the ability to make a positive impact in the world in a way that, that matters to you as a person and as a professional. That's our definition of a successful law firm. You can go to any bar function and if you report honestly and accurately about the financial performance of your law firm, the personal performance of your law firm, and the professional performance of your law firm, they're either gonna call you a hero or a villain depending on what the results are. It's so strange. If you go and you say, financially, my law firm gross revenues have doubled and doubled and doubled again, I've eradicated accounts receivables, my law firm profits keep growing and growing and growing, and financially I'm doing great, everything's wonderful. They're all gonna say you're bragging. If on the other hand, you go and you say, ah, oh, the economy's no good, the accounts receivables are out of control, the clients won't pay, they're all gonna start bragging and competing for who's worse. 
$20,000 in accounts receivables, that's nothing. I've got $30,000 in accounts receivables. And then someone else is going to say $30,000 in accounts receivables, that's nothing. I've got $40,000. They're bragging about their problems. Now, if you report honestly and accurately about the financial performance of your law firm, why should it be called bragging if the results are desirable, but not bragging if the results are undesirable? Bragging is bragging. Let's say you report honestly and accurately about the personal performance of your law firm. And you say, hey, I've got my processes, my systems, my procedures already thought through, documented, and thought out. I've taken care to hire, train, onboard, and manage my staff professionally. And consequently, I can step away from my firm for a week at a time. I can step away from my firm for two weeks at a time. I can step away from my firm for 30 consecutive days with emergency access only, which is the standard that most of the members of How to Manage a Small Law Firm hold as their standard. And while I'm away, the marketing keeps working, the sales keeps working, the people keep producing, the clients keep getting served, the bills keep getting paid, everything in the business keeps working. If you report honestly and accurately, on the personal performance of your law firm, and it's good, most of the lawyers at that local bar function, if they even believe you, because this is so far out of the realm of their awareness, if they even believe you, they're gonna say you're bragging. But those very same lawyers will sit around and compete for who spends more time in the barn with their mule. Oh, you know, I spent 50 hours in the office last week. 50 hours, that's nothing. I spent 60 hours. 60 hours, my third ex-wife told me that I spent too many hours when I spent 80 hours in the office. They're bragging about how badly they run their businesses. And then, of course, professionally. If you report honestly and accurately about how much good your law firm is doing in the world, as measured by the number of clients it helps, not just based on your ego, most of the lawyers in struggling law firms that you're going to meet at most local bar associations are going to accuse you of bragging. And there you have it, folks. The end of the seven main parts of every successful law firm series. I really hope that you got a lot out of this series and that it was, as I promised, full of actionable insights that you can take with you and apply today. I'd love to hear your comments and whether you'd like to see more segments that feature some tea time with Carly. But mostly, I'd really love to hear about any big light bulb moments that you may have had while listening. Send those my way at podcast at profitfirstforlawyers.com. And stay tuned next time as we bring back our master of creative design, Raul, and have a deep discussion about the benefits of boundaries. I'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Profit First for Lawyers. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, tell a friend. And buy your copy of the book at ProfitFirstForLawyers.com. Your future self will thank you for it. And we will see you next time.